Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. This is Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is JP Then, the co-founder of Crosstown, the donut and coffee brand, and the founder of Slurp as well, a direct-to-consumer ordering platform. A youth spent in Edinburgh and Brisbane, Australia, JP moved back to the UK in 2009, and after consultancy and strategist roles, he was, as he says, never quite satisfied being an employee and wanted to do something different. The idea for Crosstown came from his interest in speciality coffee and the Antipodean coffee culture, and his business plan, sent to hundreds of people, caught the attention of Adam Wills, the founder of GBK, otherwise known as Gourmet Burger Kitchen, one of my favourites. The pair launched Crosstown in 2014 as a market stall on Leather Lane in London. The brand now has 11 stores and 10 market stalls across London, as well as online and wholesale businesses, and comes with a playful reputation. We like to experiment, says JP, with combinations that wouldn't be considered typical donut flavours and incorporate ingredients not traditionally found in the UK like beetroot and lemon thyme, vegan rum and pineapple or even matcha tea. We'll be talking to JP in a few minutes and we'll find out more about Slurp2, his e-commerce ordering platform that launched to the broader market late last year. We've also got brilliant music from the Robert Glasper Experiment, Sarah Vaughan, Miles Davis and lots more. That is today's jazz shapers. I can hardly wait. I hope you can't either. Here's Snarky Puppy with Thing of Gold. That was a thing of gold indeed from Snarky Puppy, one of my eldest son's favourites. Here I am with JP Then. He's my business shaper. He's the co-founder of Crosstown. They make donuts and coffee and also the, I think, the co-founder of Slurp or the founder? Uh, yeah, the founder of Slurp. Oh, co-founder of Slurp. I have, I have people involved there as well helping me. It's really nice to see you. Thank you very much for having me. Now, JP, you're a young man. Born in the 80s, here you are now, running a business, turning over a few million quid, a number of people that you look after, lots of places, things to think about, making stuff. Making stuff. Selling yeah. stuff. What does it feel like now that you're here, and we'll go back to the very first shop that you opened, but now mm. that you're here suddenly, do you feel like you've arrived in something or do you just feel like you're in the middle of something? Probably feel like we're just starting something, actually. Crosstown, it's, it's been a crazy six years. We started in 2014, but really we, we feel like we're just getting going. Yeah, well, we're only just in London, and I kind of feel like we've only got into our stride of, of really understanding what our business model is, to be honest, and how we want to continue to grow. Back in 2014, when this thing happened, and you'd obviously been touting a business plan around, and then you happened to meet the right, you know, the person mm. sees it. What possessed you to put the plan together to do something? Forget what it was, because yeah. I know you kind of said, well, I'm not really, you know, I happen to be making donuts, and by the way, they're, they're fated by foodies, so it's a, you've obviously struck on something brilliant, but you're not, your background is not yeah. in bakery and things, but what possessed you to go, I just want to do something? I started my career in, in Australia. Uh, my first ever job out of uni was in economics, believe it or not. 
And I did business and, and economics at uni, uh, so it was a natural stepping stone to, to get a job in a consultancy. And I did that for about three years. And my learning during that time was really that, while one, it wasn't suited for me, there were people way better on a spreadsheet than I ever could be. And it was a lack of creativity in the role. So I picked myself up and, and moved to London, and that was about 10 years ago, looking to get into something more creative mm. along sort of the brand route. And I had a number of really interesting jobs uh, when, I, when I got to London. I worked for a, a startup business consultancy. I worked for a fashion label, but I still didn't get the satisfaction that I sort of craved. And I think moving at a, a pace was something that I learned about myself. I, I like to move quickly. I like to have control. And being an employee, it's, it's quite difficult to get that, whether it was economics, you know, a startup business consultancy or a fashion label. So after a lot of trial and error, I sort of realized it was, it was me. I needed to go off and, and do something myself. And that eventuated into, into what is known as Crosstown now. Did it feel brave at the time or was it just what you had to do? Because what you've just described is many people go, I moved from this, I moved from that. Uh, you know, I, I'm a relatively entrepreneurial person, but I've never set my own business up, but I've, I'm conservative. And it yeah. sounds to me like you weren't even scared of what you were doing. You just followed the path you had to follow. Or was there an element of bravery as I you were going? I think it is, is interesting one because I think I realized what I didn't want out of a role. And once you are comfortable about knowing what you don't want to do, it's as good as knowing as what you do want to do. And by that, I meant I knew that I couldn't really work as an employee for someone. So <laughs> once I sort of reconciled that in my head, it was like, well, I've got to go off and do my own thing. It just seems so logical for me to, to take that step. Stay me for much more from my business shaper. That's <laughs> JP Then He's honest. And we're going to find out much more about this creativity as well as much as the desire to work for himself. But yeah, I realized what I didn't want to do. And that was important. Really, really good thought. You mm. mentioned a few things as you talked about those different roles and you, you said something which intrigued me. You said, I wanted to find something more creative. Obviously, your economics background, you went into consultancy, you went into writing reports, research, insight and so on and so forth and, and related stuff. How did you know you wanted to be creative and at what age do you think actually you were expressing yourself creatively, if you think back? I actually never really considered myself creative, which is the first point. I think it's the diversity in, in, in the type of work I'm, I'm doing. I enjoy lots of aspects of, of running a business. So, of course, there's, there's the nuts and bolts of it all, but it, you also push yourself to learn new things. An example being when, when I did the business plan for, for Crosstown, I learnt a lot of the skills to, to graphic design, um, pull presentations together, you know, do the branding, and, and that's been pivotal to how Crosstown is perceived. And it's your logo. You created the logo. Yep, I um, fiddled around on, on Illustrator and, and managed to create something, and it, it's still the same yeah. today, which is nice. But, but you say you didn't think of yourself as creative, but when you said also, but I wanted to find something more creative, was it that it was just linear, what you were doing? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think... Uh, it was very obvious what the next step in the career progression could be. Mm. And that didn't necessarily excite me in any of my roles, to be honest, if I think about it. And if it becomes predictable, then it's probably quite boring. Mm. And I, I need something that challenges myself. To me, it was a natural stepping stone to start my own business. Is there something about also having lived in different places that you think <laughs> makes you see the world differently? Because your, your, your family um, is Singaporean, but you lived in Australia. Yeah, I was born in Edinburgh. Born in Edinburgh. So I grew up in Scotland. 
Yeah. You, obviously. Obviously from your, your <laughs> accent and, uh, and culture and history and so on. But but is there something about you, how do you view the world? What do you do you think of yourself as a global citizen? Do you think of yourself as a Scottish yeah, person? Product of globalization. I yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, but really does it, you know, I, I was brought up in this country, lived abroad for a few years, mm. but I sort of, you know, I feel sort of English on the whole. Um, yeah. Are you? Where do you? Where do you? If you had to put a pin in the map, where would it be? And does it matter to you? I don't think it does matter. I mean, if you if you get my immediate family together, it's it's a bit of a comedy show. <laughs> You've got my uh, my mum and dad. Uh, my mum's got a very sort of thick Singaporean accent. My dad's got a, a very neutral accent. He was an academic, so he did a lot of teaching. Um, my sister. I've got two older sisters. Uh, the eldest one, she's got an English accent because she never lived in Australia. She she studied in England and, and has always worked here. And my other sister's got a Scottish accent. So if you bring us together, that's five different accents for an immediate family, which is pretty odd. But I guess interesting. I mean, I don't think I can hang my hat on a specific area. But I guess I grew up in Australia. It's formative years there. Although I only spent. 10 years of my life there. Mm. So it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm more British than I am. Australian, for, yeah, from a time perspective. And do you think that diversity, even in, within your own family and your own upbringing, is now a really fantastic tool for you to use as a platform, even subconsciously rather than consciously, in terms of how you look at your business and who's in it? And even, I mean, this may be a bit too much of a leap, but the flavors you use are crazy. I mean, you seem to be fearless about in embracing diversity. Yeah, I think that reflects also London. It's an international hub. It's diverse. And I guess Crosstown's ethos is to be an international brand. We never set out for it just to be domestic. And of course, we are, are focused on London at the moment. But Adam, my business partner, is, is from New Zealand and has lived in London for, for 20 odd years. I've lived in London for 10 years, but we're not from here. So we're bringing an international perspective anyway, even if we, we didn't mean to. Yeah, and I, I do think that bringing other cultures, you know, we've got donuts for Chinese New Year or donuts for Australia Day or Waitangi Day, they make it interesting and it resonates with the people that are from those different cultures and countries who are living in London to come out and, and celebrate that. And I think that's really important and it's a great part of Crosstown. Stay with me for much more from my guest, that's JP Then He's coming back in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondoray with some advice for your business. Hi, I'm Daniel Avener, CEO of MDR Brand Management, the fourth non-legal business entity that's been set up as part of the Mishkondoray Group. And we help companies build commercial value for their brands and intellectual property across the business world. Today, there have never been more complex challenges for companies in the global marketplace, especially when brand owners are looking to grow both in the UK and internationally. One area that should be considered when looking to expand your brand is brand licensing and franchise development. By harnessing the equity and the awareness of a brand, licensing and franchise development can often be an extremely cost-effective low-risk strategy, one that can allow you to expand into new geographies and global markets, launch new product categories. It can be an effective marketing tool to create new connections and consumer messaging, bring a brand to life through branded consumer experiences, and also protect a brand owner's trademark. MDR Brand Management can assist in all aspects of the licensing and franchise process to ensure that you generate significant and long-term revenue streams 
for many years ahead. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. There are many former Jazz Shapers for you to enjoy. And of course, you can hear this program again with JP by asking Alexa to play Jazz Shapers. And there you can find many of my recent guests. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes, the full archive awaits. But back to today, it's JP Then, the co-founder of Crosstown, the donut and coffee brand, and the founder of Slurp2, a direct-to-consumer ordering platform. I want to take you back to 2014 briefly. The first mm-hmm. shop not far from where we are right now, Broad- Broadwick Street... Uh, yeah, so that was in 2015. We did a pop-up before that, actually. Okay, so 2015, the first... Uh, the, the, the First bricks and mortar. First bricks and mortar. What did it feel like walking into that shop the very first time, when it was open, not when you were, like, super <laughs> hustling the night before? Can you remember how it was when you looked and went, I think we've started? I remember the first ever customer we had at Leather Lane. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. This guy running his fixie through the street, and then he sort of screeched to a, a stop, pulled up his bike, and just looked at the the stand and went, yeah, I'll have one of them and one of them. And I was like, okay, this is real now. <laughs> um, and I shook his hand and said, I won't forget you. Yeah, so that, I'll remember that. I think from there, a lot of it's it's a bit of a blur, the rollout, to be honest. It's, mm. um, you know, we, we did a pop-up shop at Piccadilly Circus, which was the first time we ever got to pair our donuts with coffee. And that was really about, can we stop traffic? But will people drink coffee from us? And it worked. And then we, we looked for our first site. And when you were looking at, and again, the non-baker now is a baker, you were looking at how to make this a really tasty thing. I mean, like any product, it's mm. like, you know, the, the Pret-a-Manger story is it's not a new idea, it's just a better sandwich. Well, yours is a yeah, better... Premium, do- premium. Yeah, premiumization of the category. I, I, I think guess. I read something about, could we sell a box of donuts for £30? And would people appreciate it, you said? And the answer was yes. So yeah. how did you alight on, how did you know what would make this incredible tasting donut. That takes research. Yeah, I really got to call out Adam on this because it's in terms of how we run the business together, he's more of the food guy mm. and, and his background in food and, and hospitality has been pivotal to our success. Working with him has allowed us to grow a brand faster and be more successful than if I was to do it myself, mm. without a doubt. And that would be definitely one thing that I'd be saying is that if you can find a business partner to do something with who has the same work ethic and you should really give it consideration. There's something else you've said along the way which uh, resonates with me, which is about the fact in this day and age, through digital, you can connect mm. directly with consumers. You Correct. can do it in a way that literally 10 years ago was not possible. Here you are, you're an independent, you've got a few million pounds of turnover from the first two donuts that were sold in Leather Lane <laughs> back in 14, 2014, and you are connecting because you have a digital presence and because you've therefore created this sense of a brand. Is that the future? Is that where every brand's going to go, or is it just because you've made it work for you? Because we see the challenges on the high street. Mm. Wherever you are in this country or probably all over the world, there's significant issues to the bricks and mortar. Correct. I mean, I think it's really challenging at the moment. Um, food and beverage in general has gone through a massive change in the last, well, since since we started Crosstown. And we've really just focused on maintaining really high quality of product and making sure that our, our brand is desirable. The rest of it is really been led from what our customers want. Our customers have told us they wanted to buy direct from us, so we enabled that. It's allowed me to, to create you know, Slurp, which is, um, powers our website and, and enables us to, to sell donuts on demand um, direct to the customer. Uh, it's also enabled us to, to create our vegan line. You know, that was 
born out of people asking us, going, hey, look, I've just come into the shop. I'm, I'm sitting here with my friend who's not a vegan and I'm watching them eat your chocolate donut and I'd really like to have one. And we just got so many requests for that that we're like, okay, we've, we've got to make uh, our vegan sourdough. And that now makes up, say, 40% of our range. So it's really been led by the customer, but maintaining the brand desirability and the high quality of the product. You mentioned Slurp. It's your platform that, that enables people to buy directly. You're, you're not just using it for Crosstown. You've got, you white label it for other businesses. Just tell Correct. me a bit about how you, we, we talked briefly about how you go about creating a donut business. You talked about Adam, your, your co-founder. In terms of Slurp, are you a tech guy? Did you know much about what you were trying to do? How did you go about that? Believe it or not, it wasn't the first tech thing I did. I was just thinking back. I, I, when I was at uni, I actually had a blog, which ended up being a bit of a small business on the side. It was about fashion, and I had I have no idea about fashion, which is the funny part about it. And and this is the time when Google Ads were just sort of really coming about. And I managed to create this website that had a lot of content and it used to sort of drive lots of organic traffic. And I ended up selling sort of advertising through it. And I employed some people from it was interesting around the world that would write content about Australian fashion who were not based in Australia. So it was it was a very funny business, although very different. It was, it was still um, related to that sort of sector. With Slurp, it really came about from learnings of Crosstown. You know, we started this brand. We were getting lots of organic growth. Uh, we were very lucky in the sense that people were visiting our website and, and, and our social channels and were like, okay, this is interesting. All these people want to come to us and obviously buy our product. At the moment, the only way they can get it is through the likes of the third-party marketplaces like, like the Deliveroo's and, and Uber Eats of the world. And we were very early adopters of those technology. So it gave us insight going, okay, there is demand for this and there's demand for Crosstown. How do we create the technology to allow people to buy direct? And can we fulfill it on demand ourselves? And there just wasn't the tech out there at the time. And I thought this is too big an opportunity not to act upon. So I used Crosstown as a guinea pig in 2016 to, to build out the MVP and we launched it in January 2017 and we spent basically two years testing, learning, refining, doing tens of thousands of orders and we recently launched Slurp to market last quarter and it's, yeah, it's through a significant growth phase with other, other operators, other brands and our pitch is that you should be running your direct-to-consumer uh, model alongside the marketplaces in parallel with them to maintain some control of your brand and that's really what Slap is all about. In terms of those two years, was it um, a bunch of people that you hired to do all the work? I'm assuming you were leading the minimum viable product piece and then beyond into the, where you are now, but how many people did you have to hire and was it a punt at that time? Was that funded or was that your own money? We did a couple of, of small rounds with individuals to, to build out the tech. So my, my business partners or, or co-founders, yeah, there's a CTO involved. I guess from my point of view, I was leading the product. I had the insight because I was the operator and understood what mm. um, needed to be built. But, you know, I can't write a line of code. That's not my, no. that's not my bag. Yeah. You're, you're very unassuming, JP, because you're talking about these things. You know, you've created, <laughs> you've created this, this little world of Slurp, which is going to be a big world. It sounds like it could be bigger than Crosstown by a long way. I mean, if it gets picked up by lots of brands, you're essentially asleep and you're going to make money. But yep. it's, it's also that you love the fun of the brand and the physical manifestation of of the brand on the high street, as it were. How would people describe you as a leader? These teams of people you've now created in each of them, what would they say if they were to use an adjective or two about you when you weren't in the room? Logical. 
process driven, I think. I'm not actually, I don't see myself as a good leader. I'm not a people person, if I'm honest. That's the weakness of me. The, the softer side of things, the HR side of things is not, is not me. And have you found someone to kind of fill that in? <laughs> yeah. You seem like a nice fellow to me. Um, <laughs> no, but in seriousness, have you? Is there someone in the organ or both businesses that is essentially ensuring that the people feel happy and good and that they're stressed? Yeah, and so on? But you've got to have good people below you at the senior level to to help with that. Particularly when you're a fast-growing business and you're going through so much change, people have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And in both businesses, that's the case. It's we've had growth at Crosstown every year, significant growth since we started and we've always evolved and innovation plays a huge part of, of our culture and you have to have the right sort of attitude to continue to evolve and change and be part of that. And then with tech, it's almost that exponential because it's moving so quickly. So I think you've got to get the right people involved with the right mindset, uh, but of course it's really, really difficult. He's very honest. Stay with me for my final chat with my guest, AJP Then, Plus, we'll be playing a track from Miles Davis. That's in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Miles Davis. Of course it was. And that was Blue and Boogie. JP Then is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. He's the co-founder of Crosstown. They make amazing donuts. Um, I was hoping for a bunch today, but JP Then has absolutely <laughs> let me and Stu down. He's got to go to the shop and buy them I, around the corner. I just, I'm just going to have to go there later. And of course, lovely coffee too. And then there's the other business, which I think is super interesting, called Slurp. It makes me think about Ocado, actually, where actually the technology behind that business is going to be be the legacy. It's going to be the the thing that will actually make you significant income. In my humble opinion, what do I know? I just I just chat to people <laughs> like you. I don't actually do the thing. I want to talk about money for for a moment. Uh, turnover, if I if I'm not mistaken, is now a few million pounds. Uh, we can be specific. You don't have to be, but it was obviously off a two donut base in 2014. Yeah, I mean, we've just we're just finishing our year end, and it will be around five and a half million. I mean, that's significant growth. You know, if I look at last year's, I think the year before that was about four, and the year before that, two point seven. Yeah, I mean, this is this is exponential growth in this market. Mm. Um, firstly, where's that coming from? Why is it kicking? Apart from the fact you've got more shops, obviously. Yeah. What what's going on? Do you think? Because um, there's health crazes. I mean, people are super careful about calories. Yeah, and we're on. We're actually. You're so bad. But that's naughty. a positive for us. This oh. health craze. Like, it's so interesting if you look at the demographic of the people that that buy from us and follow us, and they are extremely healthy. They're extremely conscious about what they eat, and I think that plays to our advantage because when people want to have a sweet treat, they want a really high quality one, and they gravitate to to luckily enough to to Crosstown. We've worked with so many uh, brands in the, in the, I guess, the health space. It's been so interesting, like the clothing label Lululemon, who make the, the yoga gear. It's all I wear in the gym, <laughs> JP, pretty much. It's amazing, fantastic brand. Yeah, we've got a great partnership with them of when they open shops, they, they give out Crosstown. And I think that sums us up. We're almost the, the balance and mm. the work hard, play hard, um, be healthy. But then when you want to have a sweet treat, have a really good one. Do it properly. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and what about for you? Um, you know, you said already you feel like you're at the beginning of the journey. Mm. How does the money play? Do you even think about it for you, you personally? You, you can't not. Any small business owner can wholeheartedly relate that cash flow is king. Mm. And when you're growing at, at a pace like we are, you, you need to, to make sure that your house is in order. And that's super important. Knowing you know, how much money is in the bank and, and how you meet your obligations is a significant part about growing a business. And how have you decided to pay yourself? Have you been quite careful? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's very low-key. He's wearing a, a cross-town hat <laughs> and a T-shirt and a pair of jeans. It's like, it's like Silicon Valley has arrived here at, at Jazz Shows. But you know, but you're, it doesn't, again, strike me that you're particularly materialistic. This travel thing as well just gets me. I imagine you're quite self-contained wherever you are because you've lived around the world. You're like, well, I don't know much. Yeah, you're right. I, I wear the same things and <laughs> I, I've got a very, very simple wardrobe that hasn't changed very much forever. <laughs> it's a good thing, though. Less decisions to make every day, as they yeah. say. In, in terms of growth, you mentioned we started at the beginning, so we're in London only at the moment. Mm-hmm. You've got international I think as, aspirations. Yeah, I as a long term aspiration, I think yeah. that that's, it'd be great to have presence in other gateway cities. I can imagine ourselves somewhere like um, the New Yorks mm-hmm. of the world, Singapore, Paris. Do people like donuts there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can safely say yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think there's also growth within England and, and the rest of the UK. Um, I think it's something we'll explore in the coming 24 months. But there's still plenty of growth in London for us. We've invested in our bakery. We've invested it for the future. This is in Battersea, that's right. Yeah, in correct. So, yeah. so we're, we make our donuts in, in the middle of the night, literally from, say, 7 p.m. to 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning and then deliver them all to the shops. But the rest of the time, the bakery's there empty. So we could actually run it and essentially utilize that central facility more and more. Um, and we spent last year fitting it out so that we could do that, so laying the track in front of us before we sort of roll over it. Mm. Before I ask your song choice um, and have to say goodbye to you, in five years, if I met you, ideally, what would we be talking about in terms of slurp? In terms of size, I guess, related to slurp and crosstown. Are you going, today I've got 10 bricks and mortar mm. plus the stools. I'm going to have 100. I mean, is there a number in your head? No, you, there's, you... there's not a number. Okay. It's not how I've, I view the business. I think it's, you know, like if we're still around, great. That's a, that's a first starting point. Um, I think technology will play a huge part in hospitality, full stop. I think the way that people interact with brands will evolve. And I think in five years' time, it will be a very, very different conversation talking about food and and tech. We will have that in five years. Put it it in your diary. (laughs) I know you'll enjoy it immensely in five years' time, JP. Listen, it's been great talking to you. Uh, Good luck. Uh, Next time we meet, please bring donuts. Otherwise, we'll never talk again. Uh, Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, the song choice I have today is Ray or Re. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Or even Rai, we're not or sure. Rai, we're, we're R-H-Y-E, really sure. but we like that. We like the yeah. name. And the song's called Open. The reason why it's interesting to me is that I actually listened to this song when I wrote the business plan for Crosstown, so it's stuck with me. That was open from Rye, the song choice of my business shape today, J.P. Then, 
really insightful when he said, find out the thing that you don't want to do. That can be just as powerful as finding out the thing that you do want to do. Listen to your customers was at the centre of what he has been doing at Crosstown. Logical, he talked about how logical he was. It's really important. And finally, as a person, I think you'll agree, he was incredibly humble. Super successful so far, but just didn't see it like that. All really good things to think about. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a super week. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.